are now seeing the beginnings of another stage of human evolution. In every human being, there's not many people that'll understand people like us. There exists the genetic code. You'll be safe here. What kind of place is this? You're not the only one with gifts. For mutation. The truth is... Mutants. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University. I'm your professor, Mario Rivera, and joining me is the marvelous doctoral student, Cyclone MC, who has a bachelor's in MCU, a master's in the multiverse, and is going for their dissertation in Marvel Studies. Sly, how are you doing? I am so incredibly excited to be back for episode two yeah. of the MC University. This is such a blast. I cannot wait to get into this movie today. I hope you're excited because I'm excited because X-Men is definitely a interesting movie, to say the least, because it's going to be the series that we probably cover the most on this show. And we're at the very beginning, so I'm very excited. Of course, we are talking today in our history class, which is our very first segment, X-Men, year 2000. That's right. The start of the millennia, we finally got an X-Men movie. Um, this, of course, was directed by Brian Singer, who you probably known for uh, movies as like uh, Jack and the Beanstalk. He actually did that one. He did Valkyrie. Uh, you will know him because he's done many, many X-Men films. Most prominently, of course, he did uh, Usual Suspects. Uh, and also, just I'm going to say it here, not a good person from what I understand. So not going to speak very highly of him going forward. But otherwise, uh, he did, of course, direct X-Men. Uh, written, actually, story by both Brian Singer, Tom DeSanto. Written by, do you know who this person is, by the way? Uh, David Hayter. Have you heard of this name before? Been thrown around in your I lexicon? I know his name, but I don't. Like I right now, I can't recall why, but I definitely know the name. It's what, because what has he done? well, he's he's written movies such as this one. He's written actually Watchmen, the Zack Snyder one, but he's most known okay. for Metal Gear. He is of course the voice of Snake, Solid Snake. Metal Gear. Metal okay, Gear. Okay. David Hater himself is of course. <laughs> well, that's why I know his name. <laughs> yeah, he's on the internet a lot because uh, me and Frank will not stop talking about Metal Gear. Uh, he is the voice of Solid Snake, uh, who, uh, which was blew my mind when I first knew this back in the day that he was both a screenwriter. So he's, uh, like I said, he's written he's wrote quite a few things. Uh, most prominently, like I said, Watchmen, um, which is probably. Honestly, one of my favorite Zack Snyder movies, um, one of my favorite books. So, um, you know, that's that's something. So give shout out to, to David Hayter. If you could uh, do the opening of the show, it'd be fantastic. Um, <laughs> of course, the studio originally is 21st Century Fox, who, of course, is now Disney. Uh, <laughs> so good luck with that. Uh, this movie stars Hugh Jackman, Anna Paquin, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, Halle Berry, James Marston. Fanka Jamson, Rebecca Romaine, Ray Park, uh, so many other people. There's a lot of people in this movie. Um, it's a huge cast, and uh, I'm excited to get into it. Um, uh, go ahead, if you can, please tell us the plot of this movie. All right. In a world where both mutants and humans fear each other, Marie, better known as Rogue, runs away from home and hitches a ride with another mutant, known as Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine. Professor Charles Xavier, who owns a school for young mutants, sends Storm and Cyclops to 
bring them back before it's too late. Magneto, who believes the war is approaching, has an evil plan in mind and needs young Rogue to help him. That's right, of course. Um, before I even get to the comic book characters, I love that they that Wolverine has a scene where he just makes fun of them all for having uh, funny, ridiculous names, and he has his own one. So I don't. He has nothing to talk about, which I thought was right. hilarious. Um, of course, yes. Uh, the comic book characters featured, and there's a lot. So just, oh, at the end of the day, it's etc. But basically, Rogue, Jean Grey, Magneto, Professor X, Senator Kelly, uh, Wolverine, Sabretooth, Iceman, Storm, Cyclops, Toad, Mystique. Like I'm about to do the Pokemon rap. That's how. How many, how many characters are featured in this film? Uh, there's also some hidden ones in there that are not named that I will bring up later that I was like, ooh, they're in the background. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I do have a comic question for you. Of course. The Billy kid, the kid who's like kind of sweet on, on Rogue. Is yes. he a comic person? He is Iceman. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So. I, of course, the original uh, lineup for the X-Men, if I'm not mistaken, was Cyclops, Jean Grey, Beast, Angel, and Iceman, I think, were the original. And then Professor X. I think that was the original team. Um, of course, this is not taking from that. This is sort of the newer version of just, you know, basically the characters they think are probably the most important, like Storm. Uh, very similar to the cast that is in the original cartoon in the animated series. Like, you know, you got all your Storms, you got your Rogues, you know, you got all that. Iceman's there, but he's not part of the main team. He's a teenager in this one. Um, but very much so there, there's little hints everywhere. Like, okay, like we'll talk about it right now. Um, in the school, there's a couple shots where you see like other students doing their powers. One of them is a guy playing with a fireball in the class. He, he of course is pyro, mm-hmm. um, which is a, uh, you know, s- s- uh, comic book spoilers. He is a villain, um, who joins the evil mutants. Uh, and then of course my favorite one, which she doesn't show her powers, but she's clearly this character, and it's because she's wearing an or- a yellow jacket, and it's uh, Jubilee in the background, which is my, f- my favorite X-Men, which I wanted to bring up because it ties to our first episode. Did you know that Jubilee got turned into a vampire? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Full circle already. <laughs> so, That's so awesome. Yes. In the, in, the car- in the comic book, she at some point becomes a vampire and I'm not sure if she's not a vampire now, but that's what I, uh, that's what I remember. So tying it back into the first episode. So we're already ready to go. So I think, uh, I think that's enough of the history class. Let's go ahead and move on to the Stanley seminar, which of course is the gathering of minds. Both of us talking about this film. Sly, what did you think of X-Men 2000? Which I'm calling it X-Men 2000. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was very surprised by my own understanding of the X-Men in general. Because prior to this, X-Men is kind of like the biggest gap in my comics knowledge. Like, I, I grew up a DC fan. I was really big into the DC comics and now getting more into like the Avengers, anything tangentially related to the MCU, I have not touched X-Men at all. I haven't seen any of the movies before this. I haven't read any of their books. And so anything I know about the X-Men is from like pop nerd culture. And so I had a blast at the opening of this film trying to guess 
who everybody was. And I I will say, I, I think I did pretty well for myself. See, I want to have that joy again, because I know who these people are inside and out. And so for the fact that you get to experience this sort of what the freshest of eyes is the part of the podcast that makes me so jealous. So it's really cool that, yeah, you like have no idea who these people are. And so you're trying to gather from the little information of like what's happening and like what their powers are. So like, for instance, we'll, we'll talk about like the opening scene. The opening scene, I think, is probably still one of the most powerful scenes in all of um, superhero uh, movies in, in the Cantheon movies, because... Yeah, it takes place during a concentration camp, uh, pretty much. And uh, you get the first glimpse of powers and you see this metal bending. What was your so go ahead and you, you were telling me post show, pre show, what was your process of figuring out uh, who that character was? Yeah. So, I, I, this opening is absolutely incredible in my mind so you open up and it says poland 1944 and then you know going off context clues you're like okay this is near the end of world war ii right and we're opening on very obviously a concentration camp which i thought was just like such a beautiful inclusion uh it I want to talk a little bit about the MCU tie-in here yeah. because Marvel com- most comic yeah. writers were Jewish, especially at the start of of comics becoming big in like the zeitgeist. And there are so many canonically Jewish characters that the MCU has written out mm-hmm. of their storyline. And so for this movie to start and they said we're going there yeah this is a story and we're starting talking about the treatment of jewish people during this era and so you open up it's you know this heartbreaking like beautifully shot scene of this concentration camp and then you see some electricity and i go hmm (laughs) interesting and then you see the gate crumple and i go magneto question mark (laughs) (laughs) and then we hard cut to mississippi near future (laughs) and i go all right (laughs) sure okay (laughs) sure you just give me an emotionally devastating scene and now we're moving on to two kids kissing like what's going on here yeah two kids make it out on a bed and does it go too well for him? No, not at all. This is this is most people's experience. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to yeah, no, for sure. And I love that the discovery of figuring out that like, yeah, the kid is Magneto, and this is his story. Um, to, to keep going with this idea of uh, his Jewish heritage and his ideals going forward in the rest of the movie, because I think that's heavily important. There's a scene later in the movie um, on top of the Statue of Liberty where he gives his speech about, you know, you know, this is what they do. This is, you know, it's just such a wonderful um, sort of closing of this character for this movie. And I thought that was a great about his ideology. The one other shot that like blew me away and it's so small and so insignificant, but it, I thought it was beautiful when Sabretooth um, it's after he fights uh, Wolverine for the first time in the forest and he comes back, he throws his, um, his, his uh, chain, his like uh, dog tags that say Wolverine and has numbers on it. And then Eric looks down at his numbers written on his hand and it's mm-hmm. so powerful and yeah, just so into- yeah oh my gosh 
yeah. blew me away. The one thing I do want to say about this movie is that, you know, to give Brian Singer the littlest of credit and the filmmakers in general, this movie is probably one of the prettiest movies that I've seen and specifically cinematic ways, cinematic shots and things like that, I think stand out. And this movie looks fantastic in 4k, uh, except for the ending. The ending is a little fun. I don't know who the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know who the DP was, but like I was blown away by how yeah. well this was shot. Yeah. And it's so minimal and it's not, you know, as much as I love the MCU, there's a lot of bombasticness and a lot of their shots. This is funny because when it comes to like later X-Men movies, which we'll get to it, those definitely will have more like scenes that look like MCU stuff. But this is so such a small level, like two, three people fighting Max. So grounded. Yeah. It's like, okay, they're using their powers to their ability, but on a, such a, a smaller scale that I pretty much really enjoyed and thought it was kind of refreshing um, to see a movie that was not like other movies and i think that's what's going to be the benefit of revisiting these and seeing them with new lenses it's because uh, we gotten the you know we got dessert but you know the main course was good too <laughs> like we got all the good stuff but you know there's some stuff from before that i think is still solid um yeah. but yeah i uh yeah i i think this movie is fantastic i love so many of the characters um did you actually know this is uh, uh hugh jackman's like first major role like he was nobody at before this he he did a couple theater things, yeah. I, I believe, before. He, so he was, you know, a stage actor. Yes. And, you know, most of the times when stage actors transition to screen, it doesn't go as well as he has. But, yeah. Shout out to Huge Jackman. <laughs> That's right. He, oh, man. This is baby Huge Jackman, by the way. This is him pre, like, yeah. we're going to see huge jackman uh and very very short supply so i'm very excited for that or not because there's oh my god there's so many fucking movies we're gonna we'll see, see. <laughs> uh just i had a flashback to wolverine origins and i'm not happy about it but we'll we'll get there it's gonna be it's that i'm so excited for those episodes um but yeah I, since there's so many characters i do want to like kind of break down uh, character by character because i think that's far a little more interesting um so we, we talked a little bit about Eric. Um, let's talk about his counterpart, uh, Patrick Stewart, playing uh, Professor X. Like, what was your take on Professor X in this film specifically? Yeah, I thought it was, especially with the two of them together. Yes. They play off each other so well. And that just, you can feel that these these two actors are really, you know, making these characters feel like good friends who have very different ideologies and have very similar intentions and mm -hmm. goals, but completely different perspectives on how to achieve them. And I think the conflict of this movie is so uh, well done and holds up so well because it's two people whose sides you can completely yeah. understand you can totally understand their perspectives and i think they just do such a good job of playing off each other to create that like tension it just beautiful well done from both of them for sure yeah, definitely. And this was, you know, I'm not uh, growing up. It wasn't a Star Trek fan, so this is really my introduction to Patrick Stewart and my introduction to Ian McKellen before I watched, obviously, The Lord of the Rings, which is probably the most that I know him from. Um, but yeah, Patrick Stewart, I think, uh, 
is almost the perfect embodied envisionment of the character that I remember from the X-Men cartoon. Um, he just obviously has the not only the appearance, he looks like what I would think he does, but I think he has the pathos and the emotions. Because um, I think he is so cares so much for his students, and I think that shows in this movie specifically, um, that I think this is the the shining point of his character um, as the portrayal of that character. So, yeah, definitely think that his uh, his depiction was great. Um, I'm going to go ahead and move on to, uh, the, obviously, the biggest lead of the movie. The main lead of this movie is probably Wolverine, um, which I find interesting because, you know, he wasn't a part of the original crew he was sort of added in later he's actually originally introduced in a hulk comic if i'm not mistaken that he was then added to the grander x-men universe um what is your take on hugh jackman and his his, from the wolverines that you've read if you have read wolverine to his version of it which is not you know a short you know burly dude it's a more of a tall tall man (laughs) Yeah, Wolverine's the only one of these characters that I have had any exposure to so far through my read through the comics. Mm-hmm. Most notably in um, in a run of Daredevil, which is very focused on Echo story, mm-hmm. and uh, so it, there's a segment of a Daredevil run that's uh, four issues all about Echo. And they're beautiful, gorgeous, really well done. Uh, but on, in that, uh, Echo goes on a vision quest on in the res- in the reserve mm. and meets Wolverine there, and it's a really beautiful story. And so that was kind of my first introduction to Wolverine in the comics. And then uh, I read through, I'm reading through the New Avengers. Mm. And he shows up as, you know, an X-Men slash Avenger. He's working for both kind of the go between between those two teams. Mm-hmm. And so um, as for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, I think I'll talk about that a little bit later in this segment. But I think the the story of Wolverine in this is holds up pretty well to what i've seen in the comics so far yeah for sure and i think the watching it this time around you know wolverine's known for his you know grit and his like a mad all the time you know stabby ferociousness but the things that i found more compelling in this is his tenderness in certain things um his tenderness obviously to Jean gray which i'm not sure it's it's valid but you know we'll, we'll talk about that um but most not of, reciprocated we'll no, just say that no <laughs> the ending there's a moment but i i get what you're saying i absolutely get what you're saying there's something going there i'm like i don't know about that um however i think his um emotions with rogue uh surprised me this time around and watching him and watching the scene with him and the because i remember you know when you're a kid you're like oh explosions and v- powers that's all i'm focusing on i'm not really focusing on character moments so as an adult getting to experience that for the first time, or not for the first time, but like really like just taking the scenes, them talking on the train was actually very emotional um, in terms of, you know, him caring about her and saying, I'm going to protect you. Like, I'm going to make sure you're good. And then even the the very end when he's like holding her and crying, like I actually got really sad. Even though I knew what was going to happen next, I was still sad because I was like, I understood their relationship with each other. And it was fun to see actually sort of um, this, this time around to see that Rogue kind of has a crush on him. In a little bit, 
and in, in, towards the end. I did not get that vibe. There's something. There's a line that I think like Professor X says is like she's very fond of you or something like that. And I I, I mm-hmm. sort of saw she's like stay, don't go. Like she has like one of those lines, and I was like yeah. So there's some things that I, I sort of noticed that him, it's very much like, I just want to protect you. And for her, I think she just sort of has like a, like, you know, there's a, there's a bond there that she sees. And so I think that's, that's powerful. And he gives her obviously uh, his dog tags uh, at the end of the film. I got so emotional about that. I, yeah. this is going to be the second episode in a row that I bring up Punisher, but that's okay. <laughs> Punisher season two is basically he he adopts a teenage girl <laughs> and the entire time watching like rogan wolverine i was like this is giving me very similar vibes to punisher season two and i i love that i love that season so like i was all here for it i was like gruff like cranky <laughs> yeah older man adopts a teenage sassy girl who gives him <laughs> shit all the time i just i love that dynamic <laughs> no for sure for sure and i think they're uh pretty 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 perfect in this um i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna talk about the ladies of the movie which there's actually quite a few uh female characters which i'm very happy about there's jean gray there's storm there is mystique and rogue of course um i think it's part of the characters um where what do you feel about Jean Grey and this sort of like weird th- three person dynamic with her and like I think it's so tired even back then I still think it's tired yeah I don't find I it think... I never found it interesting in the comic books or in the cartoon I think the writing was fine I had questions about the directorial choices Mm -hmm. for how she interacted with people because that didn't really feel genuine to me um so i think like the writing of it was fine but definitely questionable choices on the takes they use sure sure i can i can see that and and i i wanted there to be something more for a lot of these characters specifically the do and she's sort of just relegated sort of just in the background for most of it and she's like the most powerful mutant there um which i don't know if it's a a purpose thing that they're doing to try to like keep her in the background but at the same time i just you know i re-watching it this time around i just wanted more for that character um and and to her being relegated to being like well she's my girl like i thought that was like kind of lame for how i think jean gray could be and how jean gray is now in the comics now is like sort of a more of a free spirit because she's no longer tethered to cyclops and other characters so i you know i wish i obviously wish they did at least a little bit more hopefully we'll get that in the sequels i don't remember so we'll see um storm is the same way where storm is very minimally used in this um she gets one major scene and that's what sent her to kelly um and again there's not much there yeah i i was surprised by how many prominent female characters there were in this movie and it it would be questionable to say it passes the Bechdel test yeah i I uh, you could argue it but it's a stretch yeah and there's like there's so many like female characters in this they just never talk to each other <laughs> <That's> so right <laughs> or i can't if they tell do, you it's like scene. a line yeah yeah i will say um 
I I really like Storm. I I actually have seen Storm in comics before. Okay. She's in one of the Wakanda Forevers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I believe. And it's with uh Spider-Man both Peter Parker and Miles. No, I think it's it's Miles and I think Kamala Khan if I'm remembering correctly okay. as Miss Marvel. Um, but it's one of the Wakanda Forevers written by no, no, the Akorafor, and Storm is in that, and she's a badass in that comic. Oh yeah, yeah, so. she's she's definitely a character that I think could be so that if I had to like if I even praise for being so small in terms of scale of them people fighting, I will say to see her powers in this has been was lackluster for the most part, um, and she has one of the supposed most laughed at lines as it's a terrible line. And I wrote it down as one of our drama sections. So we'll get to that later. Cause that stupid line was written by Joss Whedon um, in a draft that no one took. So <laughs> oh boy. yeah. So we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, I, again, I just, in terms of all the characters, I think the strongest female character is rogue, but again, she doesn't get a whole lot. And I, do you think it's just because we're focusing so much on Wolverine's story, even though it starts because of her, she is the MacGuffin in the movie. And that's, that to me has always been like, uh, cause in the comic books or even in the cartoon, Oh my gosh, she has so much personality. She's bustling. Like she has her own agenda, even if it's like flirting with, you know, Gambit or something still, she still is her own woman. And it's so great. This, she's a teenager, you know, she's very unsure of herself, which is fine. This doesn't make sense, right? She does not understand her powers now. I'm sure that if we ever got later season, she would flourish. But in terms of what we have, this is this is the version that they came with, and uh, you know, it, it's it does what it needs to do to get the plot going. But I do want more from those characters. Um, and then Mystique, which to me was interesting because they hired Rebecca Romaine, who was primarily known as a bro- uh, supermodel, and they just made her naked for the whole movie and painted her blue. <laughs> Because her character yeah. has clothes. Uh, <laughs> her character has a white outfit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a choice. Yeah, yeah. I thought her powers were really cool. Oh, they're the, yeah, the coolest. They yeah. used that and how they animated that was really cool. I wish she wasn't naked the whole time. Yeah. Uh but I think they do a better job explaining why she is like that in the later movies. But at the same time, I'm just like, what's wrong with just putting on an outfit? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't yeah. know. Just like, it, even if it's just something super plain to like show off the like, because her body yeah. is gorgeous. Yes. Like, the detailing is immaculate. And I get why they would want to show that off. But also g- give her some clothing. Just a little bit. Yeah. We don't, I'm not saying like head to toe coverage. I'm just saying give her a little bit of clothes. Yeah. And we try, I'm going to try to be not graphic on the show, but I'm going to ask this. Does she not have any genitalia? <laughs> is that the point? Like, does, how does she poop? Like, <laughs> is it, is it just everything's just out. Good question. <laughs> it's just, it's just a certain, she's a Ken doll. Uh, yes. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, other than that, I'm just like, so that's why I'm like, pointing at it because it just seems so superficial on the forefront but i will say the makeup pretty crazy and then that uh, we'll talk about that later about uh that process but overall yeah those those are those are our female characters and then there's the bad guys i mean did you have any affinity for any of the bad guys which was of course Sabretooth or toad 
Um, I thought I thought Toad was fun. I, yeah, he has his moments. In like the later battle, it, like he has his moments. It's great. Um, do you know who that actor I, is, or uh, yeah. he's a stunt performer? Do you know what other movies he's been in? He is no. Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah. Really? He's Darth Maul. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, he's the I actual. Love that. He's the original uh, from the episode one, and I think he was also in that cut in Solo as well. I'm spoiling Star Wars, so don't worry about that. So he's in Solo. Um, <laughs> this is not that. This is not a Star Wars show. That's that's next season. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um, but yeah, so when it comes to. Uh, him, yeah, he's 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 uh, that, and also he's uh, Snake Eyes in the original GI Joe movies, not the new one, but yeah, uh, stunt performer. Um, Good for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Toad's always been my favorite. I've always loved Toad. I don't know why he's gross looking, but I love his like the way he moves and the like the little dance that he does. Like yeah. he's just enjoying life and having a good he's- time. His physicality was really what stood out to me. Yeah. For sure. That was that was something. And he is also where I noticed in 4K, because this movie is heavily detailed now, there's a part where he uh, gets frozen in the air and he shoots out the mucus at Jean Grey and falls to the ground. And when he gets back up, they forgot to digitally remove the wire that helped him get up. <laughs> it's still there. You can see it. Oh, I love you that. You can see it in full 4K. <laughs> and I was like, ah. Oh. Oh, my childhood's ruined. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, those are all of the characters. And we'll pretty much move on to the next question. What do you think compared to the MCU counterpart? As of right now, still no, uh, of course, X-Men's uh, or Mutants as of now in the MCU that we know of. But in terms of, I know you have some comparisons to some other story elements. You brought up Punisher. Was there anything else that came to mind that was sort of thematically interesting or similar? Yeah, I think it's really interesting to look at how the Fox movies and how the Marvel Studios movies uh, differentiate between establishing a team lineup. Yeah. And so, you know, this we get the first like third of the movie is quick jump cuts to different locations and brief introduction to all the characters. Like we see like Jean Grey talking out at the Senate against registration, then you jump to Canada, like back and forth like that. And I think it works. I think it's well done as a way to give you an introduction to all of these characters. You get to know like a little bit about them and then they're they're expanded later throughout the film, which yeah. is very important for this kind of movie. And to see how Marvel Studios looked at you know the x-men films and went all right we're gonna introduce uh most of these characters in their own film let them set up and then do a team up so you have that background information those characters fleshed out makes for a very different team up dynamic Mm -hmm. because you already know all of these personalities you already understand how these characters are going to act and like Avengers one, you get to play with that a little bit, put a little spin on how the characters interact with each other because their personalities. And this, I think the interesting dichotomy is between the already established team members who have their own like shorthand rapport. They know how each other styles works. 
and then introducing completely new elements mm. to that team makes for a really interesting story about how do you fight with this dude who's a loner and just will run off to go do his own thing while you're trying to work as a team, I think makes for a really interesting story. And so I thought that was an interesting like, way to contrast these two storytelling styles. No, oh, yeah, I think that I do find that interesting about how they were both uh, trying to tackle it very early on in sort of comic book, because this is the first team comic book movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that has ever been. So it's definitely interesting to see how they handle it then and how the NCU decided to take it their route with it. So very curious how they're going to uh, put together, obviously, the MCU version of X-Men and how they're going to do it. We thought they were doing it with WandaVision, Instead, that was a big old joke in my face. A big old bad Ralph Boner joke. That was terrible. I I do want to say, though, um, looking at Logan's storyline, I has very similar themes to things we see in the MCU. Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously there's the comparison with like the Super Soldier program in all of the iterations over all the decades like yeah. that that happens like every decade it seems like it does. um and so that's the easy comparison but i think the more applicable one is the inhuman storyline in agents of shield mm-hmm. yes when you look at especially like daisy's mom and her history and her uh experience with experimentation and how she was treated it is a very strong parallel to wolverine's story here about how you know they're abusing their power to alter their body in some way um and i will say for the longest time throughout watching this movie since i had no idea what the plot was gonna be (laughs) i thought that magneto was going to try to rip the adamantium out of wolverine's body that's where i thought this plot was going so when the twist was like oh he needs rogue i was completely floored that that completely got me oh my god again oh he needs adamantium again yeah you discovering that for the first time is like oh (laughs) i got chills because you think you're not knowing that (laughs) this is so good this is giving me serotonin (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah no i thought i thought like you know he was he's going after them he needs something from them i was like wow are they gonna go this dark are they gonna rip the adamantium out of his body plot twist no he needs the girl <laughs> yeah yeah no okay yeah that, 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 that's what i needed uh <laughs> no i I'm, I'm so happy you actually brought up uh the inhumans because i almost forgot and i want to talk about that because there is a reason why that story is the way that it is um uh, very similar to marvel's mutants because uh a couple years ago it seems like a long time ago uh we did not own the marvel mutants fox was still up and making movies and uh marvel Marvel Comics specifically has probably been the most petty out of uh, out of the fact that they don't own the X Men because yeah they tried their best to like almost kill off X Men for the most part uh, and make Inhumans a thing and so much so that yeah Inhumans originally was a movie um, 
that was going to be in phase three, but of course got plucked and was sort of used in the uh, storyline for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which of course I think is probably the best place you're going to find it because the Inhuman show, as far as I'm concerned, is dog doo-doo. Um, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, we should make a one-off talking about that show because I have so many thoughts. We probably should. We should do like one That's off. That's a different podcast, though. <laughs> do after after credit or after school credit or some shit, and just do uh, yeah, one offs on the TV shows. Like I'd love to hear about Cloak and Dagger because I never watched it. Um, I know it's your favorite. I know it's your favorite. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so my favorite. Yeah. So yeah, it's funny you bring that because yeah, that that I think was definitely influenced by that. The fact that they were trying their best to make Inhumans their X Men, and that would have hopefully permeated throughout the rest of whatever they were going to do. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that is a good parallel between those type of characters. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I guess uh, there's still, there's a lot to still talk about this movie, but I think I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and move to, cause we could do it at the end. We of didn't the, talk about the plot at all. Really. No, I mean the, pl- the plot, well, the plot is, you know, fairly, fairly simple. I guess it is. Um, Magneto needs rogue. Because he has a power machine, which we don't know how he made this machine. This is this is probably the loose. That's why I'm saying it's like the loosest of like he's not a scientist, uh, as far as I'm understanding. Yeah. And he's not a professor. I yeah, it's he has to have some sort of engineering background Something. because he made the the because Professor X's like cold chamber thing, Magneto made, and then he made yeah. this like new device and i'm like did did he like is he an engineer like where is he getting this knowledge i I don't know like okay i I guess he studied engineering or something you know and moving on (laughs) you know i don't know but i'm very excited for the other movies to tell us how this was made um wink wink oh boy (laughs) (laughs) but uh otherwise (laughs) yeah uh he makes this machine and he first uses it on senator kelly to illustrate a point that he's now going to be a mutant like him and the whole point of the machine is he turns uh it's like a radiation that goes over to people that have the uh chromosome for the mutant gene and basically makes you a mutant um he does this to senator kelly it does not go well as a matter of fact he turns into a pus bucket which was very great gross to watch uh in 4k and he was very slimy and gooey and i didn't like that that was very nasty um very 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 gross shows up on the beach just uh, traumatizes all those kids very beautiful shot though the kid like poking the jelly and then like oh yeah that shot was so good yeah so again cinematography is like on a whole other level in this movie um until you get to the end of the movie (laughs) but um and then, of course, his whole plan is that uh, the UN is going to uh, gather together and he's going to infect them all with the immune gene, which uh, the X-Men find out is that if he uses Rogue and he gives her too much powers, it's going to affect all of New York. And that's going to be catastrophic because people are going to reject and they're going to die. Um, they even tell him that and he still doesn't fucking care. He still just does it. You know, he still goes for it. But uh, yeah, overall, generic villain plot, in my opinion. However, I do like how it is tied very much into Eric's ideology and what he's going for and how he's trying to you know, perceive his goals. And that's the part that I enjoyed the most. Definitely. Yeah. Looking at, you know, from his perspective, he experienced registration mm-hmm. and 
inhumane treatment. He went through all this at a very formative age. He was a young child. And that was such a huge impact on, like, his his family, his culture, everything that shaped who he was. And so when he starts to see similar, you know, dog whistles and comments yeah. and actions happening that he lived through, he already experienced for one of his identities, and it's happening again, it's very understandable it's very relatable that like you've seen the absolute horrors that this mindset can enact and you're trying to prevent that and that is just you know it's so hard to say like oh he's just the bad guy because you you can see why he is acting the way he is and yeah. so yeah I, the overall plot is very generic but his motivations are so intriguing yes they're so strong and uh you know there's also weirdly oh, scary parallels uh we live in an interesting time when senator kelly is going into the helicopter and there's that rally of people and they have those signs it was reading very maga and very creepy and very like Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it was it's ugh. very much reminding me that this movie is 21 years old and yeah. the same ideologies are still so widespread and so prevalent and probably even more rampant now than it was then. Yeah. And that was a punch to the gut. Yeah, and I, I, I do want to illustrate as well, uh, Ian McKellen is playing a Jewish character who had to, you know, just suffer through the Holocaust, a mutant character which has to suffer through his curtain, you know, day problems, but also is an actor who is a uh, homosexual who has to deal with that on a daily basis, around, roughly around this time too, in 2000, and mm-hmm. obviously throughout his life. Oh, yeah. So to take that and, and apply that pathos and ethos into Magneto, I like I said, fantastic job. Probably the highlight of this movie, if I have to uh, give it. And uh, other note, he manages to always look old. <laughs> Just to be a little funny. Yeah. He's still old then. He's old now, but he's still like younger then, but he still looks the same. Like, I don't know. Either way. Just looks the same. Just ageless. looks the same. Like he like he aged up real quick and then just stayed the same. That's right, just stayed the same. Um, which another one of my final. This is an outside uh, MCU thing. Real great friends with Patrick Stewart. Their adventures together is some of the best content you can view on the internet. They have so many photos and videos together. It's just so sweet. So definitely love it. They're 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 so great together. So definitely definitely love that. Uh, moving on to the final question in our lunchtime, or I'm sorry, in our Stanley seminar. Um, does this movie hold up and is it still worth watching? I mean. It, I, okay. In general, kind of. Okay, interesting. Up. Okay. Um, so my, my biggest issues with this movie and why I'm saying it doesn't hold up is you have a disabled character played by an able-bodied actor mm-hmm. with Professor X. Sure. Right? And so that role, you did not need 
an able-bodied performer in that role. You could have given that to a wheelchair user. And that would have been so much stronger. Like, I love I love his portrayal of the character, mm-hmm. but I think I would have loved it even more if it was a wheelchair user playing that role. Um, and my second is I, I love Hugh Jackman so much, but if if Wolverine was played by a First Nations Canadian actor, I think I would have cared about him a lot more. Uh, Because, again, my first exposure to Wolverine in the comics was with Echo, like, in a reservation, him talking about his relationship to his identity as, you know, fighting with who he was as a person and with his the history and the teachings that he grew up with. And that was such a powerful, beautiful representation of this character. And that was my first exposure to it. Sure. And so like that it will stick with me for every time I see Wolverine appear in anything, I will relate it back to that issue. And uh, that issue of the comic books, I want to clarify. I'm not saying that's an issue. Um, (laughs) um, So I I will relate it back to that storyline. And so going into this and knowing I wasn't going to get that, uh, it did, you know, put me off a little bit to his character. I didn't feel as connected to him as I think I would have been if it was played by somebody who is first nation. Yeah. Um, And so that's why for me, it doesn't really hold up mostly because of the choices they made regarding uh, identities of characters. But at the same time, I have to look at it from the perspective of this, from what I've heard, it seems like, pretty solid jewish representation that's not something i can speak on at all right but it seems to do a really solid job in that department handling that storyline with care and compassion and doing the work to portray that accurately um so kind of it kind of holds up (laughs) but is it worth watching absolute freaking lutely this is this movie was so fun for me to watch and to analyze. I was going through like writing notes the whole time about who was who, how they're created. I I really enjoyed watching this film and going into it with a very critical perspective. I I loved it. Like I can say that I loved watching this movie and I know it sounds like I've been critical on it this whole time. You can I'm, critical you I'm love. Basically. You know? yeah. 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 I've been talking shit about this movie <laughs> the whole time, but I really liked it. And so th- I think, I, I think that summarizes my opinions. It has a lot of problems. It has a lot of things I'm going to talk shit about, but I had such a blast watching this movie i i'm a sucker for a found family i love that trope they do it well and it's just and the dialogue we'll get to that later but incredible lines and so absolutely worth watching but keep in mind it doesn't hold up that great (laughs) 
story-wise, I think it looks fine. Like, again, we've yeah. been talking about how much we love the cinematography. Visually, yeah. it holds up for sure. But the choices, I think, are what don't hold up for me. And I can agree with that. I very much have uh, all of the same feelings that you have, especially for certain things. I do wish that this did tackle um, some important issues early on in in media that I felt that now that we're sort of catching up to that I love to. Like, for instance, I mentioned, obviously, Ian McKellen is a prominent gay man. The director is a prominent gay man um, that I wish that was more probably enforced in the storyline in some aspects and having those issues talked about. And I hope that when it comes to the new iteration of the X-Men, that that is definitely talked about because there are characters in here who um, are now canonically are homosexual that are not in this one. That's, you know, it's just storytelling for the time. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, it's Iceman was the first one. That's yeah. the thing with, with comics, especially in the X-Men, mm-hmm. I, I know hearing about a lot of canonically queer characters. So that was interesting to me that we didn't really see it. And it could have been as simple as like, uh, like innocent flirting in the school. Like we see a, a boy flirt with Rogue. Why not also have a girl flirt? Like yeah. it would have been like, just little details like that that I get why they weren't in there, especially with the politics of 2000. Yeah. But from a 2021 perspective would have been really cool to see. Yeah. And I'm excited for when that, that eventually does happen. Uh, personally, uh, learn from shows like sex education, which you can hear us talk about, uh, on their, uh, point in progress, which handles these things so well, like that should just be common in our media and my personal opinion. So, but yeah, absolutely is so worth watching. I had a blast watching it last night. It's in 4K on Disney Plus. Just watch it. Um, if there is a collection on it, you know, I would put this on my shelf. I don't know if I could say the same thing about the rest of the X-Men movies, but we'll, like I said, we'll eventually get to those. Uh, I have a section here for checking notes. If you had any additional fun notes that you wanted to share. Um, I didn't write any notes for this movie only because I was um, creating the doc while I was watching it at the same time because I was in more of in a flow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the movie's great. I... I, I did write down one of the things we are not mentioning in the quotes, but one of my favorite lines was the very end where they're talking about Rogue and they said, she took on a few of your more charming personality yeah. traits for a while, implying that she was she was a bit of a grouch and yeah. a little a little quippy. And I, I love that. I thought that was really cute. That was cute, um, yeah. And, oh, my other question was... Uh, one thing I wanted to point out with the machine, they were <laughs> magnetically editing Gene. That was interesting. Yeah. So that science was like, um, but obviously not <laughs> enough to take me completely out of it. Uh, yeah. I just made a note about that. And I said, uh, I, Oh, one of my notes was fuck Bobby, that asshole. And then I went, Oh, he was the girl. <laughs> <laughs> referring to mystique <laughs> it's like oh okay you're forgiven oh so funny so funny um i didn't i didn't write down that that actor's name because i couldn't tell uh, i didn't look so he's a twin did you know that he actually is a identical twin huh. and uh the, the reason i know that is because i used to watch a show called smallville and he played jimmy olsen and then he died but then his twin 
play Jimmy Olsen Jr. <laughs> or whatever. All right. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? And then, yeah, he's also uh, the act. Uh, oh, well, again, I can't say this for sure. He may be the actor from Quantum Break or it could be his brother. They are both uh, currently working actors and I could not tell them apart. They are very, very similar together. So... Sorry, what I forgot your name I, I, again. You were also maybe in Animorphs. I don't remember. <laughs> you were one of the leads in Animorphs. <laughs> uh, you morphed into your brother. So yeah, okay. That uh, that's gonna conclude our Stanley seminar, and we're gonna move on over to drama class. Which I will say, yeah. One of my notes for this film was. Oh, Logan's got jokes. Oh, yeah. And you'll see a lot of those here. <laughs> yes, 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 he does. Uh, no, I don't have time to reach it. I actually own Cyclops glasses. Cyclops glasses. Hold on. Let me oh, see. incredible. They're, but they're down here and I can't reach them. I'm trying to reach them with my toesies and it's going to be too much effort. So, and I'm not even playing. I'm not even playing him. So it doesn't even matter. So, of course, <laughs> drama class, we're going to do some dramatic readings of some of the lines in this film because there are some hilarious lines and I really want to get to them. So the first one we're going to do, uh, I will of course be playing the role. I believe you said you want me to be Wolverine. Yeah. I want to play the role of Cyclops because I love his lines. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and do my best. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Uh, I'm going to read the, the preface of the scene. Cyclops doesn't know if Logan's an imposter. Hey, it's me. Prove it. You're a dick. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the, his immediate acceptance. He yeah. just yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm like such. It still holds up. It still holds up. It's so funny. Okay, do you want to do the same thing? Or Cyclops? I'll be Wolverine. Okay. Yeah, this is in the jet going towards Ellis the Island. Ellis Island. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I love that you can hear uh Wolverine like tearing it too. Like you hear ch -ch -ch, like he's doing this. <laughs> yeah, he's like shuffling. He's like Okay. <clears throat> you actually go out and sign these things? Well, what would you prefer? Yellow spandex? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> such a good like call to the comics because yes. like I, I, again i have so limited comics knowledge mm -hmm. but i immediately knew what he was referencing those iconic yellow spandex of course outfits i was just like i got you yeah so so jealous that we obviously uh in this movie, we did not get them. However, the, the costumes are inspired actually from comics. Um, they're inspired by the Grant Morrison run, which they all had sort of black suits. So they are still somewhat comic accurate. I loved it. Yeah. For, for the time, I thought it makes sense. I'm like, yeah, they're a team, right? So they're going to be uniformed in their way. Did it have to be all black clothing and they shot in the night? Nah, you know, whatever. Sure. <laughs> Fine. That's okay. Um, but I, you know, I adore, but the one thing, okay. This is the, the one thing I have been leaving out in this episode is that I'm a huge Cyclops fan in the comic books and these movies do Cyclops dirty every step yeah. of the way, but he does have some good lines in this one, which, uh, you were of course providing. Um, would you please <laughs> do the opening narration of the movie, which of course is by Professor Charles Francis, Francis Xavier, which yeah. I had no idea his middle name was Francis. <laughs> <laughs> so my very first note 
in my document while I was watching this. The first thing I wrote down was, love a cryptic but explanatory intro. And this is this is what this is referring to. Yes. So he goes, mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow and normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. (laughs) So good. It gives you, you know, it tells you exactly like what we're going to be talking about, but also vague enough that you're like, I don't know where the story is going. It's just incredible. So good. So good. And I think hearing the voice of Charles Xavier to start your movie is a lovely choice. So I'm glad that they did it. And uh, who knows? It might appear again on the show. So we will continue with that. Uh, I would like to do the Magneto part here. So I'm going to go ahead and do the Magneto go one. Go for it. Okay. So this is to Senator Kelly. Uh, if you could be, of course, Senator Kelly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? This is such a straight... Such a strange phase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I I think what you really fear is me, me and my kind, the brotherhood of mutants. Oh, it's not so surprising, really. Mankind has always feared what it doesn't understand. Well, don't fear God, Senator, and certainly don't fear me. Not anymore. Prepares his machine. What do you intend to do to me? Let's just say... God works too slow. Oof. Oof. So good. So good. That just... Like, I love a good villain monologue. And it just really hits on everything Mm -hmm. that he's about. And I just... Ugh. So good. So good. Thank you, David, here for those. And uh, yeah, we're going to go. You want you want Cyclops? You got more Cyclops. Here we go. All right. As Wolverine. <clears throat> you going to tell me to stay away from your girl? If I had to do that, she wouldn't be my girl. Well, then I guess you got nothing to worry about, do you, Cyclops? It must burn you up that a boy like me saved your life, huh? Got to be careful. I might not be there next time. Oh, and Logan, stay away from my girl. Yes. <laughs> oh. I love their bickering so much. It's so like, good. Yeah, I love it too. Oh boy. Um, and I'll finish this off by doing, uh, again, one of the most lauded, uh, lines in the whole, uh, series, which is storm to toad. Do you know what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? The same thing that happens to everything else. Okay. That's a lot. That was a, Oh shit moment for me. Because <laughs> so looking back, I'm like, it's a fine line. But when she said that, I went, Oh, Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I just, just, you know, I just know that people were just like, same thing that happens to everything else. It's just not, I guess, doesn't have the power punch that you would. Yeah, it's no, just, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing it at more than once, you're like, it's fine. But that first time I was like, sure. Oh, Storm is a badass. She's about to fuck you up and she lightens him and then he disappears. We never see him again. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's fun. 
Okay, so moving on to our next class, Music Room. This one's going to be a short one because, uh, guess what? There's not a major soundtrack for this one. Not that I could find. No major tracks whatsoever. No Mysticals or Mob Deeps like the last uh, episode. <laughs> so no major uh, artists have anything. However, I do want to say the original composed score is beautiful and iconic and withstands the test of time, in my opinion. I think it's gorgeous. Johnny. Yeah. Like, uh, one of the best indicators of a good soundtrack is that you don't remember it at all. And uh, that just means, like, it fits so perfectly into the scene. Mm -hmm. You remember the emotions, you remember the shots, but you don't necessarily remember the music because it doesn't stand out. And I think this soundtrack did that so well. I remember being like, wow, this music really fits the tone, the emotion. It's stunning. I couldn't like hum the melody of any of it because I like that wasn't the focus. It was did such a good job of supporting the rest of the movie. And I, I think that's so important. It's great to have like banger soundtracks like with songs you come out of remembering like, oh, that song was so great. But I think it's also a, a testament to the composer to come out of a movie and not remember a single song because nothing was bad, nothing was out of place, and nothing overpowered a scene. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the it does have a motif um, in the music that does carry on and continues the legacy from this movie. And I think that's good because the most powerful X-Men song still to this day is the animated theme song, because that rift is used in so many other music songs that are not X-Men related because people still love just that. Like, and so yeah, people still um, copy that. And I love that this movie didn't necessarily try to replicate it in any way, but it did its own thing and it's made itself an identity that carries forward. That's something I would say that the other, uh, M- the early MCU movies kind of don't have. Like, I can't think of an Iron Man theme. You know, I can't think of a really early on Thor theme. You can't think of Iron Man. No, the, I, ba, ba, da, da, da. no. The only thing I could think of, <laughs> the Iron Man, <laughs> Iron Man song, I could think of. I can't think of. <laughs> I can't think of you know an actual score song. So. Uh, other than Captain America, <laughs> Captain America has some suit music that I recognize and, and love and enjoy. So, but yeah, uh, shout out to the original composed score. I did not write who did it, and that's a failure on my own. I have to check that out later. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to move on to quiz time, pop quiz. Let's do this. We got some fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got some fun quiz questions here and i again we're doing the format where i'm changing it up a bit but i'm gonna ask you a couple questions and you're gonna see how much you get right so far you got two right out of the four i think we had last week that is fine it is uh 50 you pass just because <laughs> <laughs> all right we're, we're gonna go ahead and so for first question fox originally wanted this high profile actor to play wolverine is it A, Tom Cruise, B, Russell Crowe, C, Brad Pitt? These are great questions. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like I need to pull up pictures of each of them to like be like, okay. It's like, ah. Uh. 
I'll, I'll even I'll even like Spencer like oh, okay Tom Cruise he's short perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm not digging Tom Cruise. I don't know why. <laughs> Something about his face just doesn't scream Wolverine. Fair enough. Let's Fair see. enough. Uh, Russell Crowe. I could see that. No, they're I Australian. I'm wanting him. No, they're Australian. I'm again. I'm going solely off of his face from the first couple of pictures on Google. No, of course, of course. And what was it, Brad? Brad Pitt. Pitt. Love me some Brad Pitt. Yeah. Um. Mm, I could also see that. To be yeah, but yeah. not as much. I I'm gonna go Russell Crowe because that was my gut reaction. Was like, yeah, it could be him. Sly, what if I told you you were absolutely correct? It was, in fact, Russell Crowe was set to do it. I think there was some conflicting schedule stuff. He, of course, suggested, hey, you should probably hire this guy, Hugh Jackman. He's really good. And they decided, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to hire someone totally different. So they hired someone totally different and shot for like a week and turned out scheduling wise, this was not going to work out because of something going on. And so he was replaced by Hugh Jackman, which uh, I don't know if we could find it online. You probably could find it online. He has a screen test with Anna Paquin that I remember from the Blu-ray or the DVD back in the day. And that's his first, like him as Wolverine. And it's really fun to see how he's now skyrocketed to who Hugh Jackman is now. So definitely. I will say Russell Crowe and Hugh Jackman together. Lemes, very good. They, I, I really enjoy them on screen together. So. Yeah. I, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you are already in the positives. So that's awesome. So this is going to be fun. How many hours did Rebecca Romaine have to endure to put on the blue makeup? That was a, f- a full body. Full Head body, crack and everything. Like everything um, is painted. Everything. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, Definitely not three hours. No. no, Um, no. Ten hours is basically an entire work day. So uh, I I could not see that being feasible. We get to shoot like what? Like maybe a scene? Sure. Um, (laughs) So so I'm going to go six hours. You are correct. It is, in fact, six hours. Uh, I, of course, have an additional note here. Additional note, which good good sussing that one out, actually. Good, Good on you. The answer key that I have written down. So not only is it six hours, it's also 110 prosthetics that they put on her. So there's a lot of stuff that is on there and a lot of blue paint. There's a lot of detailing. A lot of detailing, which they could have reduced if they just gave her uh, (laughs) some sort of white suit. like Yeah, in the comics. (laughs) Um, So there's that. Uh, Recurring question on the pop quiz. Does Stan Lee... Have a cameo in this film. Did you find him in this movie? Okay. I again, I did not, but I wasn't looking for it. Sure, like, I I just did not think. Moving forward, I will be looking for it. <laughs> uh, but based on the fact that there was filmed one for Blade, even mm-hmm. though it didn't make the final cut, I'm thinking he definitely was in this film somewhere, and I just didn't see him. 
There's so many shots with like extras and background mm-hmm. characters. He had to be in there somewhere. Is there is there a scene specifically in your mind that you remember that there's a lot of people in? I feel like I I could definitely see him in the chairs on Ellis Island where they sure. do the shot of the crowd. Yeah. Uh, while what's his face is speaking, um, or maybe in the bar. Where okay. we first first see Wolverine, those would be the two places I would look for him. Okay, so you are correct. He is in fact in the movie. He this was is the, I right where he was. You're not. You're not correct where he was. <laughs> not he even. is a hot dog vendor <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> I remember the hot dog vendor. I did not look at his face. I just remember the cart. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. So he is, in fact, in the movie. This is the era of Stanley cameos where he doesn't like have a line or anything, or he's just sort of in the background. Yeah, just sort of there. Which you know, it's funny because they treat majority of other comic book creators that way. I just keep him in the background. Um, sadly, yeah. So uh, that is a uh, yeah. Stanley, of course, is the hot dog vendor in the background. I would say- I remember seeing the hot dog vendor purely because I saw that and went, hey, that reminds me of the scene from Spider-Man with the do a flip guy who is also the train guy in Shang-Chi. Yeah. And I have not gotten a confirmation that they're the same character, but in my mind, they are. Uh, He just went to New York and then I don't know how. Yeah. My headcanon is that he was a tourist. In New York and just chilling, and he lives in the Bay Area. It was just chilling on the train. Hell yeah, I can, I can. That's my head cannon too. Now I like that. Uh, that is fantastic. Okay, so, and for the final question, this is just a goofy one, and I love this one. This is so funny. Uh, someone decided to start nailing on something on the outside. Anyways, uh, true or false? Hugh Jackman knows what a Wolverine is. I feel like I've seen him very confused about this. I'm going to say Hugh Jackman does not know what a Wolverine is. He does not know what a Wolverine is. In fact, uh, (laughs) he studied wolves for this movie. (laughs) And the director was like, you don't have to do that. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) uh, I feel like... Yeah, I feel like that's a somebody made a comment about that during like press tour for like Les Mis or something about a, a callback to the fact that he didn't know what a Wolverine was. I love that for him. So Good funny. on you. No, so 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 funny. <laughs> Uh, a lot of the questions that I've been getting are from Screen Rant articles and throughout the sources throughout the internet. So that's where you can find some of this information. Um, but yeah, uh, oh, you overall, you passed. You passed entirely. I think you got every answer pretty much correct. So you fucking nailed t- this week's quiz. So I got to I didn't know where Stanley was. No, that's fair. But other yeah. than that, I got it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just making sure you found him in the movie and you're like, yeah. Um, okay, cool. That is awesome. So. We're going to go to the homeroom. We're about to end class, so we're going to go chill. And what are some of your final thoughts on the film overall? What are some leaving things you want to leave for the film? I really enjoyed this film. I want to reiterate that because I feel like I've been very negative on this on this film, which, you know, I, I feel like I haven't been overly critical. I feel like I've been pretty, you know, fair with, this film and 
how I think it depicts um, different topics. But it's, I can definitely see why this went on to have so many X-Men movies. Because I think it does a really good job setting up the characters. You, you're dropped into the world and from two perspectives. You know, you got an already set up team, but also getting people who are new, who don't know what's going on. Um, I'm excited to see what what's going on with Wolverine's history. Like, uh, I this this movie made me really excited for what comes next and how they continue exploring these themes. And I'm really interested to see how it compares to later films. Um, so I guess my final thoughts were I really enjoyed it. I am excited for what's going forward. Um, and I think if you watch this this movie with a critical eye, you'll come out better for it. 100%. 100%. I, uh, again, echo the thoughts. I think this is still a fantastic movie for where it is in terms of ideologies and the way that they describe them um, in terms of the characters. I think these are still some of the most iconic depictions of characters on film, and I think they were perfectly casted, especially when it comes to Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, um, Hugh Jackman coming out of nowhere as a you know performing actor on film and crushing it and has made this role iconic to himself. And so, you know, it definitely is going to be interesting when they decide to do the recasting, uh, how that's going to compare because he made it so much his own. Um, and I'm very excited to see whatever the MCU version of this comic or, you know, the series has been, but, uh, yeah, um, I'm excited to see and revisit some of these movies. I'm still hesitant Going forward, this I will preface this is going to be a fun ride. Um, you know, the last two movies that we watched, obviously, Blade and both this one, uh, we've have some good high praises for, and I think that's awesome. But oh boy, there's some fun stuff ahead. So, um, I have no idea what's coming, which makes it even better. Yes, I'm I'm very high on on what we've watched for these movies for the series so far yeah and you're like "Ooh, i know it's coming so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to get to that point <laughs> speaking of what's coming up of course for homework for next week we gotta watch we're continuing continuing the adventures of blade with blade 2 2002 so it went from 2008 all the way up to this period so this is a huge uh gap in between Blade movies, which is not something you normally would see. You'd probably see it like every two or three years. So this is definitely a Blade. What I am going to just tell you now ahead of time, it is directed by Guillermo del Toro, which is All right. a fantastic director. Interesting. Yes, and I will not tell you my feelings <laughs> on the movie, but I'm excited. I will just say that. I'm excited. The cast is mind-blowing, so I'm very excited for you to experience it and for everyone else to watch with us as we continue our journey down the extended Marvel Cinematic Universe. So if you can, Sly, tell everyone where you can find you. I can't believe we're at the end of the second episode already. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We did two whole episodes. Yeah. And so many more to come. I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm so excited to be doing this show with you. We do so many other wonderful shows with Point in Progress. To be sure to check out those. Um, you can find me personally anywhere on the internet, basically at MC. If you want to see 
what I'm working on currently, check out my Twitter. That'll have all the announcements for the projects I have. I'm not saying them out loud right now because I don't know when this is releasing. It could be happening. And wasn't it amazing? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's prob- There's at least one thing happening. Yes. Uh, and another coming up. So check out my Twitter to see if I've announced this yet. <laughs> That's <laughs> fun. Like, we're going to collect these episodes. Uh, <laughs> yes, fantastic. And of course, you can find me at Night Mute City on Twitter. I, of course, have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash that Mario Rivera, where I have a Halo show, where, of course, I have a guest on and we play through a level of Halo. We're currently in the middle of or season two at this point. Um, you know, again, if this comes out later, definitely watch out for season three. It's definitely coming soon. Um, but until then uh yeah class dismissed whatever i said last time i totally forgot what i said you said yeah you, you know okay. that let me do that again let me do it again until next time class is dismissed ladies and gentlemen we are now seeing the beginnings of another stage of human evolution in every human being there's not many people that'll understand people like us there exists the genetic code. You'll be safe here. What kind of place is this? You're not the only one with gifts. For mutation. The truth is, mutants are very real. And they are among us. You must know who they are, and above all, what they can do. A change is coming. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? 